Podcast, part of the Beautiful Game Network. Hello, and welcome to Tectonic Takes Podcast, part what of the Beautiful Game Network, sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. It's been a while since you've heard from us. We've had a few uh, schedules to juggle, and I think we're back on track now. But, uh, Fabi, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I mean, uh, everything has been kind of hectic, really. I'm still getting accustomed to being in Japan, so... Just a little bit of that, but good news. You know, the U.S. men's national team looks better um, than it has years prior, and then we have a playoff game to talk about. So, exciting stuff. All right, and we also got Will with us today. How are you yeah, doing? Yeah, dude, what's going on, guys? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. for It's been a while, like you said, and I'm just excited to get this podcast down. I mean, we got a playoff game in two days, so, you know, it's exciting. All right, and there's so much to talk about today, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, we'll cover a few other noteworthy events from the international break before we get into the USA games. Unfortunately, Georgia was unable to defeat North Macedonia, so it will be North Macedonia making their Euro 2024 and overall senior men's international tournament debut next summer as they qualified for Euro 2020 happening in 2021. It's really weird, but unfortunately we won't be seeing Kasia and Vako in that tournament along with North Macedonia, Scotland, Slovakia, and Hungary filled the last four spots. We now have the complete field of Euros, and it's always a fun tournament to look forward to, but a bummer that there won't be Quakes players in that tournament. Uh, did either of you catch that game, Fabi Will? Yeah, I, I, I didn't catch it, but um, unfortunately <laughs> they didn't make it. I'll be honest, I didn't get to see it. Um, but it looks like they were going through a little bit of – a little bit of – not scoring goal a problem goal drought right so mm-hmm. it seems yeah. like it was inevitable that they weren't going to qualify for uh the euros yeah i didn't catch it either honestly um i saw the score it was like one zero and then next you know it just ended to be one zero um right. i was hoping that we'd get to see them just because you know it'd make it much more exciting to watch the euros i mean i know that tournament is still already exciting in itself but to see i mean there's a bunch of other teams that made it that haven't made it really before so in a while at least so it's at least going to be exciting for next year yeah, so pretty much these last four teams in, they're all underdogs. North Macedonia, of course, the first ever uh, full tournament uh, in either a Euro or a World Cup. Slovakia and Hungary kind of punched above their own weight in the 2018 Euros just to get out of their groups. And Scotland's making their first tournament appearance since 1998. So good on them. And it's going to be interesting to see how it goes, the Euro 2020 tournament is of course being hosted across various different countries in Europe. So that'll be interesting as opposed to just the one hosting location. Yeah. I uh, guess quick we'll, mention. I yeah, guess Will ahead. and I can uh, do a little better on watching international soccer. <laughs> I think we, uh, we're, we're yeah, slacking I, on this. I think you should, especially since you're in Japan, you know, the time <laughs> zones kind of work out, you know, you should be a little bit better than me. I but should, I should. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. so a quick mention for our Mexican listeners and 
also for myself because I am Mexican-American. So Shameless Mexico plug. had a pretty good international <laughs> break as well. They beat South Korea 3-2. wasn't easy. They were down 1-0 before scoring three goals in a space of five minutes. South Korea did pull one back late, but ultimately Mexico did win 3-2. And then they had another tough game against Japan where – Japan had the stronger first half, but they were unable to score the goals and then forced uh, Guillermo Ochoa to make some big saves. Mm-hmm. And then Mexico got their goals in the second half to win 2-0. Uh, L3 was more clinical. Fabi, since you're currently living in Japan, did you manage to catch that game or were people talking about it? Nope. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, so if you guys, a lot of you guys, don't, if you don't know, uh, Japan doesn't really have that big of a Mexican presence in their population. Um, but unlike, yeah, it was the Mexico the, versus Japan game. I meant from a Japan perspective. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't see really a lot of people talking about it. So that's just kind of a thing. Um, but there's a lot of Brazilians out here and Peruvians. So I do know about Peru's kind of games that come up and Marcos Lopez playing. But yeah, no, uh, I didn't catch that game either. But Mexico got lucky, like they always do. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> All right. And lastly, we uh, have a pretty big scoreline that happened in the UEFA Nations League where Spain crushed Germany 6-0, the likes of which Germany are rarely ever crushed. In fact, usually a German team of sorts is doing the crushing, whether it be Germany's 7-1 win over Brazil in the World Cup 2014 or Bayern Munich spanking Barcelona 8-2. But a bit of redemption for Spanish football with this match. I believe Ferran Torres got a hat trick. Wait, Um, did you say – Fernando Torres or Ferran? <laughs> yeah, he's the new guy. Ferran. Yeah. Torres. Man, they got to yes. get new names in Spain. <laughs> um, Will, what did you think of that game? Utterly shocking result. Yeah, I mean, as being German, I'm disappointed in my comrades. I miss Bastian Schweinsteiger and uh, <laughs> all, all my uh, Ozil, you know, all these wonderful German players back in the day. Just not. That's just nicht gut, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's not, it, the Germans is not that good. Yeah, it's, not, it's it's just terrible. I mean, a six zero shouldn't be happening, especially for Germany, who, who just seem to be just off. I mean, it's it happened since I mean the World Cup. I mean, they're just not the same team, so they need to kind of figure it out. I think I don't think they'll do it, but I think either now it would be a smart thing to do now, but definitely if. They don't get to the semifinals at least in the next Euros. I think they finally got to cut the cord with Joachim Lowe. Well, there yeah. comes Jurgen Klinsmann. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great coach. That's yep. like when, um, what's his face? Uh, was it Sam Allardyce was the interim coach of England? Like, I don't know if that's the right move. But. You know, <laughs> hey, uh, I think Jurgen Klinsmann gets a lot of, you know, stuff, but I think we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for, for him. Yeah, yeah no, of course we'll get into that, but yeah, I mean, who yeah. knows? You know, I mean, I'm just gonna shot in the dark just because he's a relative name. So you're yeah. you know, yeah. hopefully he gets the job. Who knows? Probably not. But. All right, and now finally yeah. we'll talk about the uh, USA games that happened. So of course on Thursday, USA. November twelfth, USA. USA ended their nine month absence in action by playing Wales in the Liberty Stadium in Swansea. Yep. Uh, a stadium that no longer hosts a Premier League team, Swansea City. They're currently in the championship. Oof. But they do face an interesting Wales team. They're they're missing some of their key stars like Gareth Bale, Aaron Ramsey, uh, Ben Davies. 
their most experienced player was uh, Chris Gunter, who doesn't matter what team or what division he plays for in England, that uh, he's going to be getting caps for the Wales national team until he's 40, but still. <laughs> uh, USA also played a lot of their young players. With, some Good. of them are more established, yeah. such as Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, John Brooks, Zach Steffen, but others like Conrad De La Fuente, Eunice Musa, um, Got to keep him. Gio Reyna were getting more involved. So it was – it ended up being a 0-0 draw, but we heard mostly positive things in regards to the feedback for the USA performances. Will, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the first half for USA was – you know, I mean, obviously they didn't really have a big camp. They only had a couple of days with each other, but it was great to see the youth movement, and that's what needs to be happening with the U.S. national team. I don't want any old players – back uh, i'm gonna make a take real quick to go on it no michael bradley <laughs> whoa done, done he's got to go no so more michael we bradley want, no more we want that to be the case but will greg Berhalter pull the trigger that's the question i'm not sure he's ready to do that Magby's gonna be there somehow i <laughs> I, I just i just like to see the. i mean obviously we'll break down both games but I mean, the first half they played very well. We saw what Dest can do. I mean, the second yeah, game they brought they brought Cannon. I think it would be Cannon and Dest both of them be in the backs. What about um, Yedlin? I don't know. I think he's Yedlin they're moving on from him. Wow. I think they are going to move on from him just because Dest is going to take. He doesn't over. play week in week out for Newcastle anymore. Well, anyway. And he gets hurt all the time. He but it was good nice to see subs. I mean, the big thing was seeing John Brooks back. Oh my God, he can pass the ball out of the backfield. <laughs> and he's healthy, so that is a great sign for the U.S. national team. That was a big thing. But yeah, yeah. no more. Yeah, I, I want the youth movement because these are the guys we need to see out there, and we need to see more. We need to try to get Musa. If you were watching the game, they were talking about how he has so many international ties for other teams that he could play for. So it would be mm-hmm. great to actually lock him in as a player. But what about you guys? What do you think, Fabi? Yeah, the little rusty, right? Um, this is the first time they played in about nine months. So, and a lot of times, I think there's a lot of firsts for these guys. So yeah. they haven't at least played together. Um, and then it was evident that they were just kind of kicking the rust, you know, the dust off the wheels. Um, and then against Panama, you kind of saw what they're capable of. Yeah. And it was a similar situation for Wales. Granted, Wales don't have necessarily the exciting names that the USA does. But of course, we're biased. We hear more about the USA players than the Welsh players. But they were playing players such as Dylan Levitt, who is part of the Manchester United youth system he's not really playing a lot with the first team he's been loaned mm-hmm. out and stuff so Wales are kind of trying to unearth some gems see what are those players in the future as Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey are getting to the latter stages of their career they still got a few good years left but after that they need to figure out what's going to happen and when you're a small country yeah. of off the top of my head maybe like three million people like it's going to be tough to keep that conveyor belt going i don't know how well, countries like uruguay hey i was gonna say i was gonna say i mean uh, or even to a lesser extent denmark they consistently find good players mm. but um it's tough for sure and yeah. you know granted usa has 300 million players and 300 million people and they don't always have the an abundance of choices either so there's a lot of factors that go into it well we're starting but, um, to see the fruits of fruition right definitely finally yeah. Yes. So, so 300 and million people. We're finally getting. Uh, we're we're finally getting kids of players, right? Like Gio Reyna, for example, right? His dad played in MLS and the national team. Extension. 
Yeah, Tim exactly. Weah, son of George Weah. Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're, we're starting to see the fruits of our labor. I mean, Vako had a kid here. Maybe we see a Kajak's Vili for USA someday, right? <laughs> <laughs> so um, Will did mention that it was a very uh, young USA team, but this was kind of out of necessity. I think they decided that due to the COVID situation and current travel restrictions that they initially had an entirely European-based USA team and that's kind of why players like uh, Owen Otisoe who's in the Wolves Academy uh, players like Nicolas Giacchini who's playing in the second division of France among others that normally they're not on the tip of the tongue of most uh, USA fans or in the minds of the coaching staff but when you just limit it to European based players that you do have to be looking far and wide for different leagues and situations and some players that might get a chance. I guess the only other name that kind of came to mind that I'm surprised hasn't out oh, two really ones in lower leagues of England, the likes of Dwayne Holmes and Lyndon Gooch. I thought it would have been interesting yeah. to see them, but um, I think overall I'm pretty happy with the players that are getting opportunities, even if it kind of ha- worked out a certain way. Hey, wait, uh, hold up guys. Did you guys see Christian Polistic with the beard? Anybody see that today? Like, Whoa. is it like a full on? He has a full like, beard. Yeah, it, I'm, like, I'm getting old, man. I'm seeing like, this guy grow up in front of our eyes. So it's just <laughs> weird. He's a full beard. He looks like, I don't know, like if uh, if he started a reggae band, right? And he was the bassist and he just had a beard. It's it's the weirdest thing in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that you see grow up in front of our eyes. Like, we're only like a couple years older I than know. him. <laughs> no, but we, we've known this guy for how long already, right? Uh, Look at that I think it's like 17, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's true. So it's so. crazy. I mean, we're starting to get into that age. I know all of us, 24, 25, where there's younger guys playing now. So it, it's it's kind of yeah. it's kind of hitting all of us. Like, oh, man, what am I doing with my life, dude? I'm like, I'm like yeah. <laughs> just, just trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my but, gosh. No, it's it's a definitely great to see these young guys doing and performing well. Uh want to see more from them, right? The younger they get into the integrated into the USA squad, the the more World Cups and more caps they're gonna have. So yeah, I mean we we can get more into the Panama game right now since that's the one they actually scored on. So I mean yeah, yeah. we break down the score in there, Ivan. Yeah, sounds good. So a lot of times these international breaks since you get two two in recent breaks sometimes even three games to assess the team you have to wait until the break is over to really think okay were how good or bad were these results and having beaten panama six to two uh yeah usa scoring six goals against anybody not named cuba is pretty rare but yeah uh, you i'll take it no, but, I mean, um, it's, it's a great thing. I mean, remember, this is a U.S. team that lost to Trinidad and Tobago to not yeah, make it. Right, right. Yeah, can't take so, any uh, team for granted. Exactly. So, yeah, it's a great result. Sorry, keep going. But, but this yeah, result so isn't as good say, as, like, a regular Dosa Cero, right? I mean, Ivan, how, how do you feel? <laughs> um, so, I'll just be clear right now. So, as, as a Mexican-American fan, I understand that USA and Mexico have a huge international soccer rivalry. However, I, I do support both teams. I want both teams to do well in World mm. Cups, and I want both teams to have the best players coming through their systems. Definitely. And if Mexico get better, that's good for the USA because it inspires yeah. that program to want to catch up. And vice versa, when the USA is doing better than Mexico, it's them to catch up. And then you might have a third party in Canada joining that race too. 
yeah. with their players coming through. So it's going to be good for CONCACAF. And if other nations like Jamaica and Costa Rica can get their acts together as well, then that region won't just be a layup in the World Cups. Like, they'll be able to be scary for a lot of the uh, second and third third tier teams and maybe surprise a first tier team. But anyway, Definitely. so my original point was that having seen the 6-2 result against Panama, it makes a 0-0 draw against Wales feel a little bit better because you don't want to necessarily draw two games in an international break or like what looked like for a very brief moment at the beginning of the game, draw one and then lose one. So the first goal came in the eighth minute. Jose Fajardo for Panama got it going. It was a surprise a turn of events for Panama to get on the front foot. But USA responded near immediately with three goals in eight minutes. Girena direct uh, free kick goal. And then Nicholas Giacchini, it cleaned up some sequence of plays for the USA to score a quick two goals. Uh, and then USA kind of kept control for the rest of the half and went 3-1 at halftime. Then in the 65th minute, USA won a penalty. Giacchini's hat-trick opportunity was dashed as Mosquera saved his penalties. So the, what do you guys think of that decision to give uh, Giacchini the chance for the penalty? I, I think I don't have a problem with it. It's yeah, friendly. it's a friendly, right? He's on two goals. Guy, let him have a hat-trick. It, it would have been a wonderful memory if he was able to achieve it. But right. all's well that ends well, right? You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah. friendly, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If this was like a World Cup qualifier, like obviously you'd want a more experienced player to take it. Yeah. Josie better be taking it. Someone else. No. No, no more Josie, man. It's done. <laughs> hey, hey, no. hey, a little Altidore? Come on. Let, let him spend some time with Sloan Stevens in the international breaks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyway, uh, Fajardo, once again, he got himself a brace too. He made it 3 2, and it looked a little nervy there for a little bit. Until USA was able to respond with Carl's bad zone, Sebastian Soto. He got two goals near the end of the game, sandwiching a Sebastian Leggett goal. So hey, he play it good. was a Sebastian hat trick. <laughs> uh, so the thing about Leggett, it was initially an all European roster. Yeah. But because Joshua Sargent's club, Werder Bremen, denied him access to be with the USA team during this break due to the COVID protocols, like Bundesliga teams they had the option to release players or not um they decided to call in sebastian leggett because his team wouldn't be in the playoffs so no harm no foul hey you know i was like they were probably like hey man we need like the the most the prettiest mls player to come on the on the on the international squad to give us a little more swagger you know and they they went with the boy they went with sebastian leggett san francisco native Mr. Becky G. Mr. They Becky just, G. That they is just, right. They needed some random. They picked one. <laughs> well, All right. Well, Sebastian Legette, you know, in FIFA, always has the potential to be like a 90. So, I mean, maybe <laughs> they saw that and they're like, okay, let's give them some national team caps. You know? Oh, my Yeah, God. some of the players that came off the bench, uh, the likes of Johnny Cardoso, who's playing in Brazil, uh, I guess he was also like it was an international based roster and to include him from Brazil to Richard Ledesma and uh, Timothy Weah, who is not getting a lot of game time for Lille got a chance as well as Chris Richards who's on the big boy Bayern team he's not on Bayern Munich too right now he's mm. on the Bayern Munich roster him and Alfonso Davies it could be a potential uh, North American half a back line for the future. So that's a cool sign there. Yeah. 
When you look at this Panama team, though, uh, they're all over the place. You have p- players from Tampa Bay Rowdies uh, in the USL Championship. You have players playing in countries such as Israel, Costa Rica, uh, Turkish Second Division. You have one player from a club called Slima Wanderers in Malta. <laughs> so, mm. yeah, mm. it shows that this is a really weird Panama team. They're kind of moving on from the likes of uh, yeah, where's Godoy? Jaime Pinedo and um, uh, Blas Perez. So Albert, Alberto Quintero, uh, who is a former Quake, he formed yeah. the Panamaniacs with Anibal Godoy. He withdrew from this international roster. Uh, former Quakes player as well, Harold Cummings, currently with Union Española in Chile. He was he remained on the bench. He did dress well. And while Godoy was called up, but he wasn't even on the bench for this game. So right. it was really interesting to see, definitely shuffling the pack. We did get to see Gabriel Torres, a former MLS player with the Colorado Rapids, come off the bench. And he, he was as useless as usual as he was in his MLS career. But, um, you know, it's a win against Panama. It's one of those teams where, like, with all due respect, like, you do want to win because there's going to be an uproar if they don't but they won very convincingly and it was a great performance. I mean, looking at where all these players play, can you believe the MLS had a lot of these guys, these type of guys in their league about five to six years ago. So it just speaks the type of, I guess, maybe the quality of MLS, how it's changed dramatically, or maybe this Panama squad isn't as strong as the Panama squad that qualified for the world cup and went ultimately to the World Cup, I think it was eight years ago, right? Or the two last two World Cups. Yeah, so Panama yeah. did qualify for the 2018 World Cup. That was their first ever World Cup. Uh, in 2010, it was just Honduras from Central America. In 2014, both Honduras and Costa Rica made it because Mexico fell into that fourth spot. So they had to go into the intercontinent, intercontinental playoffs, and they took down New Zealand to qualify for the World Cup. A place yeah. where Mexico should never be in, right? They <laughs> they should never be in that scenario. Uh, and right. USA should qualify every time. So I'm not just hating on Mexico's national team right now, but CONCACAF as a whole, we should have powerhouses. And we're starting to see that, right? Mexico's playing with great with Raul Jimenez, um, Chucky Lozano, right? Doing, doing some good work. And then with the USA, Weston McKinney making that Italian – all, that Italian signal already playing three months for Juventus, but uh, yeah, this no, this US team team has some swagger to it, and it's nice to see a lot of a lot of crosses yeah. for goals. So that that was maybe they found out that was Panama's weakness from the sides. Um, but a little bit, I got a little flashbacks to the Dom Kinnear days, but they but they worked right. They they made <laughs> they made all the all the goals off the crosses basically, and it was good. All right, well, any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, all, all USA fans should be hoping that Gus sticks to the youth movement. I mean, these guys need to get more development, more caps, and 2022 will be fun, but 2026 will be a true testament what this team can really be. I mean, so once we are hosting the World Cup, these guys are going to be in their primes, and yeah, they should be ready to go. I mean, it's going to be much like probably one of the more exciting World Cups, and who knows, we might be able to see a game, you know. So yeah. that's going to be fun. But, yeah, 2022 in Qatar should be fun as well to see this team. But, yeah, I think Gus really needs to stick to this young team and just have some veterans around, some key veterans, and just watch this team grow on right in front of them. 
Will, um, the, right. little, the little point that you had on 2026 being North America's Cup and how we might actually make some do some damage in that, that could be a big turning point for American soccer. And that means we might see the MLS and the U.S. national team actually get a lot of media attention coming around that World Cup cycle. So it's cool to see that we're actually going to have a very competitive squad if everything pans out. So definitely, yeah, thing to it's know. definitely been an evolution of sorts. Take it. Obviously, none of us. Well, I know I wasn't born in 1994 when USA hosted the World Cup that year. And the media attention that was there, even though like soccer wasn't really that big at the time, like it was a huge event. It was a huge spe- spectacle. You had Diana Ross singing at the opening ceremony yeah. and you had all these big stadiums that were hosting these World Cup matches. Like, mm-hmm. Even if it – yeah, Stanford, Rose Bowl, stuff like that. And then you fast forward to 2010 where you had the Landon Donovan goal against Algeria. You had USA making the round of 16. Uh, and you had other great moments like, you know, the Clint Dempsey dodgy <laughs> goal against Robert Green in England. And that was definitely a turning point for the USA as well to, like, you know, we expect more. Like, we do not want – we're not going to be like, oh, okay, Ghana played well. They knocked us out. Congrats. No, right. we're going to be pissed because we b- believe this team can be better. And then, you know, as more different leagues started to get more coverage, more podcasts come out, more social media platforms, yeah. uh, the U.S. soccer fan base has grown and grown and grown. And it's going to be – it's a really healthy part – uh, position right now and it's going to be growing even more in the six years between now and the 2026 world cup so we'll see what happens at that point but for now i think usa is showing that they do have talent coming through and that the disaster that was 2018 might just be an anomaly and hopefully yeah. it's something they won't have to experience again the u.s have um, the u.s fan base really has two lowlights to kind of look over with this new team right i know this is a quakes podcast but the low light of Wanolowski missing that goal against belgium mm-hmm. hopefully that sting stings a little less with this new world cup cycle coming up and these new guys right this, this true golden era for the u.s soccer at least it's first golden era besides the 1950s and when the world cup yeah. actually started but yeah this is this is an exciting time to be a u.s fan and um, I want to take a quick second before we go into the fan questions to actually uh, thank everybody that's on our Patreon. I want to thank you guys for supporting us. Um, we are truly appreciative of all your guys' support and all your input too of our podcast. And we greatly appreciate that as well as the beautiful game network and uh, roughneck scarves, as well as Icarus FC. We want to thank all you guys for continually um, going ahead and supporting us. Thank you. All right, so our first fan question comes from Kevin Portillo. So Tudin brought up a point that raised some eyebrows that many of the players that the USA called up for this window do not play many minutes in their teams or play in their B squads or second division, stuff like that. So should we ask more of these players to try to win more minutes to the club? Should it be a point of concern? And I think that is always the next step. It's like, yeah, we're happy to see them play for the national team. But in order for them to get better, it can't just be through the national team. They have to play as much as possible for their clubs. And that isn't, unfortunately, always the case for American players in Europe, where you constantly have to prove yourself time and time again. And yeah, you have especially if you're less American. Of a, you have less of a leash 
then if you're someone like Mason Mount, oh, that's okay. She can try again. It's all good. But if Christian Pulisic has one bad game, then he's dropped for him or Kellen hudson Door. So it's really tough. I think you do have to, you know, to quote the 76ers and Sam Hankey, trust the process. <laughs> this is the first step of that process because when you play in international soccer, it doesn't play matter where you play or where the pecking order is at your club, your managers and your coaching staff is going to notice that you're good enough to play for your country at some level, that we're going to get to see you play against other competition, and it's going to give them things to reconsider if you play well. If you don't play well, it's going to be like, okay, well, maybe like we – saw what we know about you that like you're not ready to play serious minutes with us right thankfully for the most part even if it was against uh, Panama and Wales that just about everybody played well so they're certainly helping their cases to get more minutes in the future right and I thought um and during the Wales game uh, during the broadcast uh I forgot the other broadcaster but Stu Holden um they were talking mm-hmm. about Zach Steffen you know him not getting much minutes playing for Man City and you know they t- they brought up a good point that oh he at least, the good news is at least he's playing with the team and those are high caliber players and then sometimes he get, he put, gets some you know games in you know once in a while but eventually it's going they're saying that it's going to hurt him if he doesn't get regular game times so so I mean it's a very interesting point and that just that's for all the guys you know eventually it's going to hurt him that if they don't play you know so. So I have actually some, something to say about that. It, since he's a goalkeeper, he in, on the practice field at, day in and day out, he is taking reps from the best players in the world, right? So right, I would want to say the goalie spot might be a little different on the getting minutes. Well, but yeah, but one's practice and then one's a game, right? So the, the, they yeah. did make that point. So saying like, yes, he's getting those reps in practice, but it's still not the same when you don't get game, any game time. Hmm. Yeah, so with Zach Steffen, I think that Tim Howard was in a similar position earlier in his career with Manchester United where he was getting more uh, look-ins in the USA team, even if he was still behind Casey Keller for the 2006 World Cup, than he would be uh, long-term for Manchester United. And eventually the solution ended up he would move on to Everton where he became the undisputed number one there. So that might be the case for uh, Zach Steffen. And with goalkeepers, there's a bit of a – in NFL, we know about the quarterback merry-go-round or the carousel yeah. where if one person makes a move, it sets off a whole chain of events. It's similar in the Premier League and in European football where if one goalkeeper makes a move, it does shake things up and it forces a couple other transfers. So Zach Steffen is going to get his opportunity. It, we don't know if – he. He's going to be the future Manchester City starter because Edison's not much older than him, but he will get another chance soon. He's just got to bide his time and continue to play well for the national team until then. Next up, we have Sam Habash. So he feels that the U.S. men's national team has better quality players, many of whom start in Europe. The current results reflect that. But will this team be able to clear a World Cup group stage in 2022, assuming we can qualify? Currently, we don't have any top-level striking options. Uh, he's not counting Josie, Jesse Zardes, or Jordan Morgan, or Jordan Morris. Sorry, unless mm-hmm. he tries Reyna as the false nine. And when he mentioned the false nine, it didn't make me question the use of Sebastian Leggett in that role against Wales. But do you think that uh, the game against Panama it showed some potential? Uh, answers to the striker problem uh will go ahead yeah i mean 
I, I think we haven't seen enough yet from Timothy Weah. Um, I think that's a one important player for the U.S. national team. Um, he's been bouncing around with injuries a lot. Um, so we did get to see a little flashes of him. But if we get he gets some more reps, I expect him to do well. Uh, we didn't get to see like a player like uh, another young player, like Josh Sargent. Um, he's another mm-hmm. hopeful right. stri- striker. Mm-hmm. And we're just hoping these guys don't turn into like Bobby Woods, you know. Mm-hmm. We don't – these whoa, guys – whoa, whoa. These guys, that we, the guys yeah. that we expect good things from for the national team, and they kind of just don't pan out because, I mean, eventually, like I said, Josie's time is coming, to, dwindling to an end. Um, I mean, yes, we like to see Morris, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, with these young guys really need to step it up in the striker position, definitely. But definitely seeing Gio Reyna uh, definitely helps out for that, at least depending on what Berhalter is really going to do. Yeah, if I had to choose between Reina and Leggett to be a false nine, I would rather Reina, but Reina is better off in a winger or a uh, attacking midfielder position. Uh, Trenton Young also asked about the future of U.S. MNT forwards and if Soto and Giochini are receiving the torch from the likes of Altador, Wea, and Sargent. Wea and Sargent are still young themselves, so they're not passing any torches, but that's a good problem to have if they're going to be competing for those spots and right. if they can develop all together into good players. And he also asked, uh, is Gio Reyna going to be used as a set piece specialist? Um, USA doesn't tend to have one of those. So yeah. I, go ahead. Does. The position's open. Yeah. Someone's got to step up, but I mean, yeah. who knows? I mean, I just really want to see what's going to be next with the next time they have a friendly, when we have more, more call-ups to be, you know, to be named what, what Gus is going to do. Um, yeah. So uh, that's what, that's going to be the true Testament. I mean, it was great to see our youth really come into play, but I mean, as far as the setup piece guy, I mean, who knows who really knows at this point too early to tell. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, another question he had was, how much of the Panama game foreshadows the future of the U- um, U.S. men's national team? I guess we'll see, right? Um, because yeah, we, have, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, we have we have two basically two teams, right? We have an MLS team, and then we have a U.S. national team or a European team. So and ultimately, we'll, it's going to be a mix of the two. Like right. you're not just going to call up all MLS players for the Gold Cup or the World Cup. You're not just going to call up all European players. It's usually yeah. a mix of the two, and it's same. It's similar for a lot of uh, North and South American teams. Maybe less so Brazil and Argentina, who have a plethora of options in Europe. Yeah. But when you're looking at the Chile's, Peru, Colombia, Mexico, that there's always it, a, sometimes a small, but still a core of players that come from their domestic right. leagues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, so next up, oh, go ahead, Pablo. Yeah, and I mean. I think this is, like you said, a great problem to have. We're gonna have, we're gonna see the likes of Altidore out there eventually. So, Will, you better be ready. Uh, yeah, don't it's either started. gonna be Zardes or Altidore. So, you pick, you pick your poison, right? I, I, I guess, I guess. I was, I mean, I'd rather have like Morris and like, and then, yeah, someone, someone, and then somebody else. See, they, I mean, depending on the formation, I mean, we might I, see Morris on the opposite side of Gio Reyna, right, and then. Polisic in the middle that that might be something I don't know what they're going to do with the lineup I mean, I'm more worried about who's going to be the next person as to John Brooks that was a debate they were talking about mm. so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming Chris probably, Richards I'm thinking more like Walker Zimmerman uh, I think mm. Walker's played very yeah, well so yeah. I think I think him if John Brooks if hopefully stay healthy 
And then they're talking about the left back and right back position because uh, they, you know, they didn't see much for Robinson. We'll, we'll so go through the in. whole squad. We have a question about the whole squad, but oh, yeah, sorry, I like yeah. where you're headed. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah, um, well, calm your horses, all right? Hold your horses. Yeah. Okay? I was really been excited. I've been waiting to talk about the national <laughs> I know. Team. I understand. The games. I, I know. Oh, go We're saving the best for last. I know. <laughs> so Jeff Vikas asks, how long do you think it will be before we see Cade in the U.S. men's national team? Uh, maybe a couple more years playing for San Jose Earthquakes and maybe having to make a move to a bigger club. Uh, I think K. Cowell is certainly a talented player, but I think right now we just don't – we don't know when the next call-ups are going to be. If there's going to be a game in January, then K. Cowell might get a chance because that's usually an MLS January camp. But yeah. right now there's so many names – yeah. whether it be European base or MLS base that are being juggled right now, I think. But K. Cowell has plenty of time ahead of him. Uh, if he continues to play as well as he has so far in his young career, he will play in a USA shirt it depends. down the line. It depends. Yeah, I think I, – I, yeah, Go ahead, Will. No, I was going to say he's going to need to take a real big jump yeah, um, in, exactly. in his game. Um, but he's also – I think he's probably going to get more call-ups in like the U23s and all the other younger oh, yeah. World Cup ones. And that's where he's really going to have to prove himself just because like – And he will. Seven, yeah, what, he's 17, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how many guys of 17-year-olds of the U.S. or 17, 18-year-olds of the U.S. Have, have already played a start, like their cap, like, <laughs> a couple friends. They had like at least six, six or seven right. guys. So I'm just saying, I mean, all, all, they're not all his position, but still the fact that there is so much youth already behind him, he, it's already kind of setting him back a little bit. But he's really going to have to just jump his game up full time to see him in the national team uniform, at least for not regular national team. I yeah, I said leaves. that at some point he'll get a chance to wear the shirt. Yeah, but definitely. like, I'm not saying that he's going to win 50 caps or more than that, but like, he'll get no, a chance. No, no, but as far point. as answering yeah. his question, like, <laughs> yeah, but I think if he makes that Cade is behind, if he yeah. makes the step mm-hmm. to Barcelona, we're looking at <laughs> probably a call up right away, right? Well, I yeah, say. we're already at two players in Barcelona. I would love to see three, so yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I don't know about right away, but yeah, definitely that would help his stock. Up immensely no it, it would um also would, would help his price is uh if he does get called up to the younger national teams then more teams are going to be in on him for uh in on him so that just raises his price and that's better news for the quake so the more representation we have in the youth squads is it's great too yeah i do think that the youth squad opportunities would have to translate to full international appearances i believe that's what's keeping Sebastian Soto from being involved at North City right now. He needs to get his uh, British visa, and he that'll help if he gets more call-ups with the U.S. national team. That's why he's currently on loan in the Netherlands second tier. But anyway, mm-hmm. next up we have a good friend of mine, Ken Watana. He's the founder of Allegiance, which is a sports-focused social media platform. He asks, what is the biggest area of concern for the U.S. men's national team? He thinks it may be the defense, considering that they can see two kind of dodgy goals against Panama. So what do you think? Are we more concerned about the defense, goalkeepers, forward, and the fielders? I mean, I think first off, you would obviously want to set your defense. I mean, we've had mm-hmm. a long time where we had, you know, set defensemen for a very long time for the national team. So to finally solidify that and also to make sure they're healthy. I mean, the biggest person I've already talked about many times, John Brooks. We saw how great he was, at least passing the ball out of the backfield. To have him healthy is just tremendous, great leadership. 
Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's a big questions on who's going to be his next person next to him on the center back position and where they're going to decide to play Dest. Mm. Uh, or you know, And so they're debating on playing him left back and have Cannon as the right starting right back as well. Um, so because they, they don't feel like they have a solidified left back. Position. I would say the biggest question mark is the forward. That easy. I mean, that's yeah. the biggest question mark. That's true. You got it. But I feel like we, we can find scoring from other places. Because, mm. I mean, you've seen how Adams was playing and how, how McKinney, McKinney was playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys can create chances for whoever's going to play forward. I think we have pieces that we just need somebody just to get open, you know, mm. make those runs. Because I think our guys can find them. I mean, we saw Dest just look beautiful on the outside and crossing balls in. Yeah. So I think the scoring will come easily, much more easy than we think. Um, because we have so much more talented players in the midfield around. Yeah, yeah. that makes that so, would make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's why I think having a strong defense is going to be huge. So, but I mean, I, I'm more of a defensive-minded person when it comes to that. So, yeah. Yeah, my other area of concern would be along with what you, you guys mentioned, the goalkeeper behind Zach Steffen. I'm still not sure about uh, uh, I think JT. Ethan Hor- JT. <laughs> <laughs> he maybe. But uh, yeah. Ethan Horvath, he's starting to play a little bit more for his club this year. And uh, it's going to be difficult, I think. This is the first time in a while where USA hasn't been blessed with two or three starter-level goalkeepers that were pretty much on the same level. Whereas, like, you know, Tim Howard, Casey Kellers, Brad Friedels, et cetera. Um, Isn't uh, Brad Guzan still playing, though? I mean uh... – <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has a background, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know about him anymore. <laughs> at least, well, anyway, uh, is it the end of the bald goalies for the United States? Is that is that what you're saying? <laughs> it's the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it looks like a different USA team in many respects because uh, a lot of the players coming through are from uh, black and Latino origins too. Right. So that's mm-hmm. something really cool that's as true. well. Um, Abby from the Soccer Crush podcast wanted to make a quick comment that she is enjoying what she's seeing from this U.S. men's national team, and she's hoping that they can continue to shine because not only are they competing with the likes of Mexico on the men's side of the game, but they also have to uh, prove themselves in a country that already has a four-time World Cup champion with the women's side. So let's not forget about that. The U.S. women's national team, they could have a big year coming up in 2021 with the Olympics. So, yep. shout out to them. I might go see them. Let's go see. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Tokyo is hosting the Olympics. So I mean, it's a good fly out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, hey, any Titan it takes, you, you guys are welcome. Come, come, come there on, fam. Real quick, come. real quick. Who are your, who's your favorite uh, women's soccer player right now in the USA? Team? Oh, Rampone, for sure. Rampino, oh, sorry. Rampino. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rampone. 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 <laughs> Why I think Rampino? no Rampino. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I get nervous. Oh. I get nervous. Uh, for me, it's got to be the UC Berkeley alumni Alex Morgan. Like the tea drinking celebration. Mm. Like that was hilarious. I don't know. She she, she left a sour a sour uh, taste in my mouth when she did that little whole ordeal in uh, Disney World where she was like, "Do you know who I am?" To all the employees. So I don't know. A little bit egotistical. Oh, Hey, all, all I got to say about her, she was still training her butt off when she was pregnant. I oh, mean, yeah, that's she right. She was full-blown pregnant, and she was just going out there like it was nothing and still just playing perfectly well. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's I, – I don't know. I, I couldn't say – I mean, definitely Morgan was up there. I was a big fan of Hope 
uh, before she retired, but um, so, <laughs> uh, so I can't say that. Uh, but no, they're, they're, some, some of the players coming through, like uh, Crystal Dunn and uh, Rose Lavelle, are pretty good too. So the future is bright for the U.S. Women's National. Julie Ertz, well. right? She's, a, she's Julie Ertz. Yeah, yeah, she's a beast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or husband. Well, you, you were a big fan of Hope Solo before she got handsy. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, uh... This is a PG podcast no more, I guess. No, 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 no. She just, she oh just stopped, you know, beating the balls and started beating something else. But it's it's all right. It's all right. No, no, no. I, uh, okay, okay, uh, that's okay. I didn't, okay. Uh, that's uh, next question. Far. I'm so sorry for the person who has to follow this up. Uh, Hilario Muniz, <laughs> if you're still listening, here's your question. So the first one was, who surprised you the most out of the guys who got their first call-ups or are still trying to establish themselves? And how did the attack look minus Josh Sargent and Pulisic? Um, my answers would be, I think the player who surprised me the most is Sebastian Soto. I think he definitely made the most of his limited time against Panama. He made an instant impact. He scored two off the bench. And Mm. I think that he's definitely one of those youth players that seemed in danger of getting lost in the shuffle if he didn't make an impact in this window. But now he's inserting himself in the conversation for future call-ups and future consideration. Took advantage of it. Mm Mm-hmm. The, the attack, they look pretty well. Even against the Wales uh, 0-0 draw, I think that the attack is looking sharp. You're getting players that are playing in those types of positions for high-level clubs in Europe, and they have a lot of great years ahead of them to get even better. So I'm feeling more optimistic about the attack after this window. I'm going to go on this one. Sebastian Legette, sure. duh boy, Mr. Becky G., uh, pretty oh boy, you know, God. he, Mr. LA Galaxy. Come on. <laughs> yeah, he showed that he can shine with all the European stars. So I think he, he had a great camp. No, terrible, terrible answer, Fabi. <laughs> hey, San Francisco man. native, okay? Come I, I on. Get that. Sure. You live in Japan now. You should be all about just something <laughs> else, man. You don't, you can't, can't call the Bay Area out anymore, man. Shout out, all right. home, so, home city. But, I Yay mean, area. there's so many, there's so many things that, you know, we saw that are really good. I mean, we just, we don't really get to see these players that are playing these big European teams, you know? Um, yeah. So it was just great to see what, like what they're doing now. Cause obviously. And you want to stay to you, Will? I mean, so obviously McKinney and Adams and just, mm-hmm. you know, all those players that have been desk, like those guys that have been playing for these big clubs. Now you get to see what, what's happening to their game. You, so you, you seem to hype about Musa too. Yeah, I mean, the big, I didn't want to get too in-depth about it, but, yeah, Moose is another very young guy, and we saw that mm-hmm. we – I mean, Bear Halter as the U.S. national team sees there's value in him, and the stardom, I think, for both games uh, it was a big deal because they tr- they want to solidify him because he can play for Italy, Ghana, and England. Yeah. So he can play for those three big teams. So to, if to lock him up to play for the national team, I assume if he's going to stay, he's probably going to have to start. So. Right. Uh, a lot of a lot of the U.S. men's national team uh, fan base, I guess, was mad about this Greg Berhalter kind of uh, hiring. The way he was very connected to the federation. How do you guys mm-hmm. feel he has done so far? Well, um, I think he took a big step, but it's too soon to tell. Mm. Um, just because of how COVID restrictions are, but. 
I like what the lineup he put out. I like the what the youth players that he wants. I mean, that he put out for uh, for those two games. But it's too soon to tell because we'll see what he does once everyone can get called up. I think that would be the big testament. But before, prior to that, I was kind of a little shaky on what he was doing. So I think there's just been a lot of time since then. Yeah. So I think we'll see. We'll see what really happens once there's a full roster come up. What about you guys? Um, I'd say right now I give him. B minus because he's doing above average. He's doing what he needs to do, but he's also kind of doing the bare minimum. And he's, I think right now we're at the point where regardless of who he calls up, the USA is winning games or getting good results because of the talent they have on the field, not necessarily because of his coaching decisions, but I give him credit where he's doing. I think that, I think personality wise he's a good fit for this team and that he is a decent uh, guy to lead a particularly young roster into making that next evolution as a team. Uh, we'll see what kind of decisions he makes in competitive games when the game is on the line, because that's the determining factor to me, whether or not you're a good coach. Yeah. So for me right now, I think the biggest deal is going to be if he lands Musa, right? That's going to be a test of the tail. Um, just because we're not – I'm going to be honest. We're not winning World Cups right now. There's no way we yeah. can truly um, rate a coach on his performance when the next World Cup Bobby, is in two years. Bobby, you cut out for a second. Oh, oh yeah, the next back. World Cup's in two years or we are just not really doing anything. Right. But if we get a guy like Musa and he did do his due diligence by starting in both games, like Will said, to try to allure him from other big – national teams like Ghana, Italy, and England, if we land that, then I think he's doing a great job. Yeah, I think just the last thought on this, because I know we got a lot more stuff to cover. I think it, um, it's just he's going to – Berhalter just has to make sure he brings the right guys around him. So, I mean, he has to make sure that these veterans, that who he deems as veterans, can really kind of sway, sway him to want to play with them. So, obviously, the McKinney's, the Adams, all these still the young guys that are there, but we're really going to need to persuade, you know, Musa to play instead of trying to go and try to yeah. make his name with the other national teams. And we, yeah. we might see Jurgen Klinsmann around the camps, too, because uh, maybe Jonathan Klinsmann gets uh, called up as a uh, backup. Yeah, our last segment <laughs> in the uh, fan uh, section of our podcast for the international games. So, we got questions from Nathan Reynolds and Drew Hubbard's about who would make a World Cup qualifier 23-man squad or a competitive 23-man squad. And Phil Leva from Quick790 also asked, which MLS players should make the squad? So this is a bit of an abbreviated answer. Uh, We were originally going to plan with all three of us. We would write our squads beforehand, and then we would see the similarities and differences and comment on that. But this is a squad that I came up with. Uh, I separated them into position groups. And then just very briefly-ish, but you can still provide a reaction of sorts. You can tell me what you feel about if this is the type of group that you'd want to see on a competitive squad. So we're starting with the goalkeepers. I have Zach Steffen, Ethan Horvath, and I put Bill Hamid slash Matt Turner. I'm giving Matt Turner the nod since he's in the playoffs this year as the third keeper. What do you guys think? JT. Where's JT, baby? Come on, we'll see. I mean, as far as the third, the third keeper, I mean, JT could run, make him real running for the third keeper. Um, but as far as that, I think the starting two, yeah, there's, there's no question. At least, hey guys, right are we Quakes homers or what? Come on, dude, let's see some JT. 
So Jonathan he hasn't Klinsman. started a full season yet. Like we gotta wait till like <sighs> JT is gonna start the, the whole 2021 season for the Quakes, and then that'll be his opportunity to put yeah, himself it'll, in the it'll, window. It'll come. I mean, we'll, we'll see how his playoffs go too. I mean, for all you guys that aren't watching on YouTube right now, my 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 whole demeanor just came down because Ivan just shut me down. All right, so <laughs> so you guys. You, if you guys want to hop on the JT train, you can always come to my camp. We're going to be there, all right? All right. So, and for Phil, if you're counting, so far we have one MLS player on the roster. Um, for the fullbacks, I picked Serginho Dest, Reggie Cannon, Anthony Robinson, and DeAndre Yedlin. How's that sound? Lima. <coughs> what? Oh my God! <laughs> uh, I, yeah, sorry for Nick Lima. If one, if if one of these guys are, uh, if all these guys are healthy, there's no way Nick Lima's gonna yeah. get. Him. But, yeah, all those. The, I I mean, couldn't agree more. Those are the perfect fullbacks for this team. Yeah. All right. So we're still at the one MLS player for the center backs. I John Brooks, Matt Miazga, Chris Richards, and Walker Zimmerman. So we have our second MLS player called up. Uh, honorable mentions to Deserves Aaron it. Long and Mark McKenzie. Uh, so are you happy with those four center backs? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have any disagreements about those ones. I didn't know if Fabi had anything to say other than, Oh yeah, we need to see, I don't know. Some, uh, I thought, I thought you were going to say Tanner Beeson, dude. I, 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 I mean, you're so high on Tanner Beeson. I thought you were going to say him. Hey, not to no. start for the U S national team yet. If he's, <laughs> yet. Too old. He's too old anyway. <laughs> no, that was, that was great. Uh, great center backs. I mean, I don't have any obligations. Okay. And then for the center mid, it's tricky. <laughs> Uh, obviously, we have Weston McKinney and Tyler Adams. They're locked in. Uh, I feel like Greg Berhalter would probably call up Michael Bradley, unfortunately. But if not him, my honorable mentions would be Christian Roldan and Jackson Mule. So if we were up to us, we know who we would pick, Jackson Mule, right? But uh, <laughs> does that seem like a good mid selection there, at least? We got a separate section for more attacking midfielders. Yeah, uh, Roldan and Jackson Yule, probably the highest upsides of MLS mm-hmm. center center mids. So definitely guys that can go and play in Europe if they wanted to. So I think that's a good pairing or a good group we have there. Right. So yeah. you can only select three of these because you do have uh, – there's a player in the attacking mid selection who can be a fourth center back. I mean, not center back, center midfielder if needed, more uh, – defensive role but uh yeah it, it all adds up to 23 players will yeah sorry i just wanted to cut you off but um yeah i mean i'm really just thinking we're at a point where michael bradley is either gonna just have to play if he's gonna get called up he's gonna have to sit the bench you know i think yeah. it's a, i think it's a time where he, it's it, we're done with the michael bradley era or maybe center back he's, yeah no, he's not he wasn't no, that why would he play, he, yeah. yeah he never played center back yeah, yeah he did he played a couple games as but for a couple Toronto, games. Oh, yeah. But Toronto yeah. was that when Toronto had like eight injuries? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. So, um, hey, you can pull a flow. Come on, wingers slash attacking midfielders. I selected five players for this group. I put Christian Pulisic, Giovanni Reyna, Eunice Musa, Conrad De La Fuente, and Brendan Aronson, with an honorable mention to Pax and Pomacal. So. Technically, this would be the fourth MLS player called up with Aronson, though he is going to Salzburg in January. So, what do you guys think of this group? I like it. Uh, yeah, very young. Um, I, I'm 
I can't complain about it. I, those are the future of this team. I mean, national team, yeah. Yeah. All right. And lastly, I selected four forwards slash strikers. Um, so this is where it was also really tough for me to choose. I uh, Four of the following players. So Josh Sargent, Sebastian Soto, Nicholas Joachini, Timothy Weah, and Daryl Dyke. And then you could also add Iowa Canola to the mix if he chooses to represent the USA. So of those six players, if Akinola does choose USA, four would be in the World Cup squad. Uh, do you guys have a preference? I don't think Akinola signs or goes with USA, to be honest. You think he goes to Canada or Nigeria? Yeah, yeah I think he goes to Canada. Yeah, probably, uh, probably Canada. Um, just I feel like he'll get the more reps there. Yeah, um, right. I, I just think – yeah, 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 and I just think it's too 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 much other other players. I mean, I know we've been talking about concerns, but I feel like just for him, it just too many other players in his way. All right, I don't so, think um, Yakini uh, makes it. I think it's going to be either your regular Josie Altidore, just as hard as right. I mean, in a perfect world, we would love to see Yakinini um, uh, Yokinini. Uh, I think I'm saying it wrong. Um, Yokinini, I believe it is Yokinini in the squad, but but. I mean, this is Greg Berhalter, right? It's I mean, an Italian he, name, so I probably should have been saying it like Joe Akini, like Giovanni, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, Italian, <laughs> yeah. Italian listeners. Yeah, Yokini Niki. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> can we just call him Yoki? Can we call him uh, Nicholas Gnocchi? Gnocchi, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, another honorable mention would have been Jesus Ferrer. But anyway, I hope that paints a picture for what you guys think that we'd like to see in our uh, twenty-three man squad for the You didn't say Sebastian Legette. What? what? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> As you can tell, these guys are done with me for today. All right, they're done. Yeah, we got some MLS awards to get to now. So, congratulations to Walker Zimmerman, MLS Defender of the Year; Jim Curtin, the Siggy Schmidt Coach of the Year; and Bradley Wright Phillips, Comeback of the Year. All deserving winners, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah I, I honestly like I for Bradley Wright Phillips like I just felt like I didn't really know that he was having such a great year to be quite honest I mean obviously <laughs> I, I, I'm not trying to like hate on the man I, I'm just being quite honest I, I just didn't know that he was doing that well to be the comeback player of the year yeah I mean D- did I, Diamande I I uh, retired at the beginning of the season for LAFC so Bradley Wright Phillips kind of stepped in and took that role and he uh, thrived. I mean, he had all the service in the world. He had all the space in the world. Wando's probably just licking his chops, looking at LAFC, thinking that maybe he can pat those goals by hopping onto that team too. And uh, stopping Bradley Wright Phillips from, uh, from starting again. No, but uh, Bradley Wright Phillips actually got a lot of goals this year. He got, I think closer to eight, eight or nine. And he actually closed yeah. the gap on Chris Wondolowski's uh, all-time goal scoring list. So I think it's deserved. I mean, he he had he had a great season compared to his, his last season, right? Oh, I mean, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I agree that uh, Bradley Wright Phillips is definitely still a factor. Him and uh, Kai Kamara are like the biggest challengers to Chris Wondolowski's goal scoring record, and I think that he's definitely been one of the more underrated players in the growth of Major League Soccer and. Some fans look at him and think, oh, he was a failure in England. Why are we signing players like this and turning them into superstars and makes their league a joke? But no, that's just how it works. Like some players, they don't do well in certain countries or certain leagues, and then they do better in others. Granted, like I'm not saying that 
it, every player in MLS can do can do it vice versa that they're going to succeed in England. But it's definitely like this is a player that's worked hard. He earns his success and happy for him. Yeah, definitely. And we have a few more awards yet to be decided. The Humanitarian of the Year between Ibobise, K and Morrow. The Newcomer of the Year between Barrich, Polido, and Zalarayan. The Goalkeeper of the Year between Blake, Eloy Room, and Matt Turner. Should be Andre Blake, but we'll see. And the yet-to-be-decided Landon Donovan MVP where Andre Blake, Nicholas Ladero, Jordan Morris, Alejandro Pozuelo, and Diego Rossi. I think the presence of Andre Blake in the MVP race, it kind of spoils the outcome for the goalkeeper of the year. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. Room, you guys have no chance. <laughs> Will, do you think um, any of these last ones, like the last awards to be decided, anything sticks out to you? Anybody you know for sure is going to win? Uh, obviously, I really do think Blake was, was probably decided winner for for sure the goalkeeper of the year. I even made a great point about that. Um, the rest, honestly, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of bias in his awards sometimes, but I don't know. I don't know what. I, I, there's not not one quake on that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna be a Fabi and just start yeah. saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be, a be the biggest homer. Come oh on. yeah, where's you know Seba- where's Sebastian Legit? Huh? You know, I, you know, you want to. See- <laughs> no, but I honestly, I for the awards. Where's Breck Shea? Like that's the real question. Uh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> for me, I just care about the last award. And that's who's going to win the MLS Cup. Yeah, so I'm yeah. It's the so, well, we do have one last award before that. We have the MLS Best uh, Team of the Season presented by the Home Depot, where you have Mark McKenzie, Walker Zimmerman, Andre Blake, uh, Jonathan Mensah. So Blake being the goalkeeper, and then McKenzie, Zimmerman, and Mensah being the defenders. And then the whole slew of midfielders slash forwards of Diego Char, Nicolas Ladero, Alejandro Pozuelo, Brendan Aronson, Diego Rossi, Raul Ruiz Diaz, and Jordan Morris filling out this lineup. So you got three players from Seattle, three players from Union, and w- one player each from Portland, LAFC, Nashville, Toronto, and Columbus. What do you guys think? Any complaints with this best 11? This one hurts. Um, definitely Yudson could have been there instead of Chara, but that one hurts, you know. <laughs> the Casemiro of Cupertino was robbed. Yeah, he was. He was. If we didn't have those 7-1, 6-1 losses or in the middle of the season, he could have been there. Uh, I think legitimately, I mean, out of anybody, I would think is Espinoza. I mean, I talked about him mm-hmm. right before the podcast. Right. I, just, I just think what he does and brings to the team. And he had, what, almost 10 assists and a couple of goals. I mean, I feel like he had he would have the best case to be on this team if we're going to really actually fight for somebody, uh, for, you know, the Quakes. So, but, you know, obviously there's a lot of other good players in this league. But, yeah, I think Espinoza probably would be the closest one to make it. I think – uh, a, a take from this it shouldn't be i personally think there shouldn't be more than two players per team i think mm-hmm. i think seattle getting three and philadelphia getting three is like okay yeah we get it but maybe we can see which two were the best out of the three so just a little thing for me right so that concludes the uh, MLS awards segment. That's something that we'll definitely update on in the next podcast. Once more, the awards are given out. Yeah. Definitely. And lastly on the agenda, we have a MLS game to preview. Let's the go. one that quakes are excited about the Jimmy Conrad Derby in children's mercy park 
on November twenty second at one p.m. Pacific, three p three p.m. Central because those are the only time zones that matter for these two teams. Sporting <laughs> Kansas City, the first seed, takes on San Jose Earthquakes, the eighth seed. Uh, a Wait, quick I look at the injuring report. What time Go is ahead. that? Uh, what time is that? Japan time. I don't know <laughs> off the top of my head. <laughs> okay. It's going to be early in the morning for you, man. Bobby, you're the Japan expert. Yeah, right. Uh, I think that's like four in the morning. So, <laughs> yeah. Sleep is for the week. Yeah, right. Yeah. Let me see. I'm going to I'm gonna go knock on some bars. I mean, and be like, hey, are you guys showing the game? Like, and they're going to be like, what game? And I'm going to be like, what do you mean, what game? The, the biggest game. game. <laughs> it's the game. Japan needs to know. All right, who the earthquakes are. Los terremotos. Okay, come on, guys. Super Bowl. Yeah. All right, so the injury reports. So the Quakes just have a couple players on it. Danny Houston, of course, is still out with a thigh injury. And Carlos Fierro is questionable with a similar injury as well. And Sporting Kansas City have two big misses out for the season, Felipe Gutierrez and Graham Zussi. Uh, Alan Polito was also confirmed today that he will not play in this game, so that's a big miss as well. Yeah, huge. With, uh, the statuses of Gadi Kinda and Wilson Harris, with Gadi Kinda being, of course, the more the consequential player, still up in the air. Uh, if they're short, both Alan Polito and Gadi Kinda, their offense takes a huge hit. So that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, Jesse Fiorinelli was playing 4D chess, man. He knew Alan Polito was going to be out when the Quakes play him in the playoffs. So. So he just he I hiked up that price so they couldn't use the money on other players and then just had that vision, man. So definitely Jesse Farinelli gets a win in my book for that. <laughs> that would be such an Bobby is on on one today. Man. Let's go, baby. Woo-hoo. He is feeling it. Four o'clock in the afternoon in Japan or five now. Yeah, he's just four, yeah. feeling it. I am. So one <laughs> thing to keep in mind is you can't really sleep on either team. If you're a Sporting Kansas City fan, I think you can't look past the San Jose Quakes and think they'll be an easy out because they're not an ordinary HC. They're not just going to roll over and die, most likely. Uh, you don't know what you're going to get from this team, so you just have to be ruthless and score when you can. And I think that's the mentality some teams have had this season and that they were able to get some big ones against the Earthquakes because Quakes do have that ability to – uh, cause problems if you keep them in games. But conversely, Quakes fans also can't dismiss Sporting Kansas City. I think a lot of people were celebrating when they ended up getting them as opposed to Seattle Sanders or Portland Timbers. But although they were not expected by many to finish the season at the top of the Western Conference, they did make the quarterfinals of the MLS's back tournament before losing to the Supporter Shield winners, Philadelphia Union. So mm. they're a very solid team. They've earned their success this season. They get the job done even without the presence of an international level star player like some MLS teams have. Coincidentally, both of them lost to Minnesota United in that tournament. So whoever wins this matchup will be rooting for Colorado Rapids to come out of that game just to get rid of that that mojo. (laughs) Um, This is a battle between a team that was consistent throughout the season versus a team that is finishing the season very strong. Even though they did lose to Seattle on that last day, they had the playoffs locked up. So ultimately that they were dialed in and they were committed to getting to the playoffs at all costs. The Quakes had to fight like these last three or four games were the playoffs for them essentially, whereas Sporting Kansas City, they were fighting on a different end of the spectrum to 
win the Western Conference and to be that dominant team and have home field advantage as long as they're in the playoffs prior to the MLS Cup final should the Philadelphia Union get there. Yeah, I mean, it was just for the Sporting Kansas City, they were just very like a silent, you know, no one was really talking about them. I mean, once we kept doing MLS rankings, they just kept slowly climbing the rankings. And luckily, they found the one spot for themselves and they, you know, they uh, 100% deserve it. Um, well, I just really? You think they deserve one, the one spot? Yeah. Yes, they did. I mean, they, 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 they got it. Who else would they put didn't, there? They didn't have to play any of the uh, California teams, right? So. Well, okay. I mean, we can go and you know speculate on all the scheduling and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, they they got there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they still had to play the games that they were needed to play. That's true. I mean, I, yes, I still believe that throughout the MLS that there's not that big of a gap over in general between the competent teams. Like, there's a couple teams down the bottom. Like, if you get to play them a lot, then yeah, we're gonna look at you funny if you get most of your points from beating them. Uh, Which they it's like did, right? picking on the smaller kids at school. What do you mean? Like, they played like, like teams Houston like the Minnesota. Dynamo. Houston well, Yeah, but Houston Dynamo is not a train wreck. We're not talking about like them in the same breath as we would like in FC Cincinnati or DC United, right? I oh. mean, I, I think Houston – I mean, that's just my opinion because they had – I think they're kind of a train wreck. They have a new whole rebranding going on. They don't have kind of a vision to go forward. So. Right, but they're not like a player that's – they're not a team that's devoid of talent either. They saw Albert Ellis leave this season, but they still have some good players. Mm. All, I'm anyway, is, anyway, all I'm saying ahead. is they, they earned the spot and we got to play them. But like Ivan was saying in the beginning, like we – well, no one can sleep on anybody. I mean, these these are just the way the bracket filled out. So, I mean, it is what it is. But, I mean, yeah, I think just as far as we are seeing a fresh team – um, it'll be at least interesting because at least we know, I mean, yeah, like I said, we face, if we face a Portland or uh, Seattle, it's just, it would be a really hard game for us just because of our track record lately. But yeah, it's a fresh start with two days away. So very excited for it. Yeah. So we got a few key matchups in this game. Juan Alaska is going to have to go up against a very formidable center back partnership with Puknek Kunshek. I think, and Winston Reed, the former West Ham player and New Zealand international. And if he gets past those two, he's going to have a tough time putting the ball in the back of the net with Tim Millian goal. He's not one of the contenders for the goalkeeper of the year, but I think he's in that next tier along with players like Stephen Fry caliber goalkeepers in MLS where he's very consistent. He's a reliable shot stopper and at times in Sporting Kansas City in the last few seasons, he's been their best player. Definitely. And then next up, we have an interesting matchup between Christian Espinoza against the young uh, Jalen Lindsay, where he's been playing a lot this season in the absence of the injured Graham Zussi. And he's been very good. He's more of a defensive-minded right back, whereas Graham Zussi, of course, he played as a winger earlier in his career. Mm. He is more of an attacking fullback. So I think Espinoza is going to have to take advantage of the young players and experience and cause some problems in this game if they're going to have any chance. But if Lindsay has a big game, then that would be a good sign for Sporting Kansas City and trouble for us too. Yeah. Next we have uh, – 
the midfield battle, I think, is going to be interesting. Jackson Ewell and Hudson will certainly have their hands full against Ilya Sanchez and the experienced Roger Espinoza. Roger Espinoza, he's played for Sporting Kansas City for a long time. He's played in World Cups for Honduras in 2010, for example, where he was currently a Sporting Kansas City or back then a Kansas City Wizards player. Mm. And he's definitely a player that they're going to love to have in a playoff situation because he's been in that position before where he knows that he, he's got to step up. He's got to be a leader on the field, especially with no Felipe Gutierrez. And he's not going to make it easy on – this team, like Central American central midfielders, they know how to tackle you and you're going to feel it. <laughs> and they've got a lot of uh, pacey and dangerous wingers that they can throw at you. They have players like Dadi Kinda, if he's healthy. The Ethiopian-born Israeli, he's had a very good season. Mm. Johnny Russell, he's a Scottish international. And Gerso Fernandez as well. Uh, against the Quakes defense where they play the high-energy man-marking system, the room for error is going to be very small against those types of attacking threats. And JT Marzinkowski is going to have to make a couple big saves, I think, if the Quakes are to win it. Yeah, I mean, I think JT is going to have to step up, I mean, this whole playoff run. And just I think a big important thing is just what Matias is going to do as coaching as far as, you know, players coming off the bench. Um, I know we'll probably mention off the the players that would come off the bench. Um, But yeah, I think just how Matias is really going to manage this game uh, to really, you know, he's been, they've been posting a lot about never say die. And Matias is like, you know, they've been posting about a lot of stuff on quick social media about, you know, but you know, pretty much their mindset going into this kind of game, or at least Matias's mindset and what he's been implementing on the team. So uh, it's it's a huge game, huge game for, you know, for the Quakes and just especially for Matias Almeida. Yeah, and right. the, the young players off the bench, the matchup we're looking at is Cade Cal versus Gianluca Busio. And then mm-hmm. the, the super subs, Shea Salinas versus Kiri uh, Shelton. But we might Kyrie. actually see him – Kyrie. Kyrie. We like might, Kyrie we might actually see him start because uh, Alan yeah. Polito's out. So, um, yeah. But he's usually I think Kyrie sub, Shelton will start. I think he's the most the Jamaican starter. Right? Um, Kyrie Shelton, is I he Jamaican? A- Let me check. English. You might be English. Uh, okay. different. Yeah, you may be thinking of um, uh, Giles Barnes. He was the. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah, the. Yeah. The I swear, I thought there player. was. I thought there was a Jamaican. Harry Shelton. Shelton is uh, American. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I'm so <laughs> off. We're all off too. He's from here, yeah. not across the pond. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's no worries. It's been a day. Um, and, I was thinking uh, Luton Shelton, the Jamaican. Luton Shelton, right. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. You're, you're right. I, I remember <laughs> the last name in the Jamaican International, but I can't remember the first name. And uh, lastly, one uh, matchup that is also very intriguing. Uh, Matias Almeida established international success and is riding this wave of momentum with the earthquakes versus Peter Vermees, an established MLS success, He's won almost every trophy that Sporting Kansas City have won in their history as a player or manager. I think you can't talk about MLS history without talking about Peter Vermees. He's been an influential figure, and he is a respected man in Kansas City. Uh, Missouri half, Kansas half, I don't care. He's not going to pay for a drink for the rest of his life (laughs) in either half of that city, at least in the soccer bars. But – I think it's going to be a tough matchup. I think 
Vermees doesn't get out coached all too often. I think he knows his players well, and he knows the identity of Sporting Kansas City. They're not going to be a razzle dazzle team like LAFC or Atlanta United when when they're in for, full force. Yeah. But they're going to be tough on the counter. They're going to be pacey down the wings. They're going to cause bro- problems for you defensively from the midfield level and then the defensive line. That they're an all around good team with not very many weaknesses. But don't forget, we who do we have? We have uh, Matias Alvarez. <laughs> if you're just watching this, uh, Fabi brought his uh, Matias Almeida bobblehead into view uh, dramatically. <laughs> uh, again, guys, this is the guy who won the CONCACAF Champions League. Don't sleep on us. Again, this you, might be... You sound one. like Taylor Twelman right now when he's yeah. talking about Pity Martinez. He's the South American Player of the Year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but... Uh, no, I think I think this might be one of the best matchups we can have if they're not going to have Polito. Um, either either Sporting or LAFC would have been ideal, right? Because unfortunately, LAFC we were never going to match up with LAFC though. They were too yeah, far yeah. down. Yeah. Yeah, but whoever. Yeah, uh, I think uh, Seattle's playing LAFC, right? So yeah, so we're not, we wouldn't face LAFC until the Western Conference Finals. No, but uh, but whoever's playing, I'm saying whoever has those two teams has the best matchup in the first right. round of the playoffs, right? Yeah. So definitely, I think this can be a winnable game. Without Alan Polito, they are a different animal. Um, and last year, they missed the playoffs, right? Um, the last uh, knockout fixture between these two occurred in the 2017 U.S. Open Cup, uh, where it was the semifinals. Quakes uh, had a pretty good run in the Open Cup that year. Uh, Sporting Kansas City won 5-4 on penalties. Vako Kazashvili and Francois Falter made their debuts, who have had very divergent careers in yeah. the Quakes uniform. Seems like a long time it was ago. a goalkeeper showdown between Tim Melia and, you won't believe it, but Andrew Tarbell. Uh, Tim Melia complimented him prior to the shootout, but said, hey, you did a good job, but I got to take it over from here. Sorry about that. And, of course, Tim Melia was on the winning side of that penalty shootout. But, um, Tarbell. Tarbell, yeah. Hey man, shot stopper, right? Terrible, terrible. Hey, I'm just happy we got something for him. All right, we got like 60k for him. That can pay for like a green card for someone. That's nice. Yeah. So Children's Mercy Park will uphold an 18% stadium capacity for this match, and I gotta do some quick maths here. Interesting uh, percentage there. Yeah, I, you would expect like 20%. Something, um, yeah, something rounder. So their capacity is is a weird number too. Eighteen thousand like four six seven times two. So let's 19% see. Nineteen percent for so, COVID nineteen. So exactly the uh, if you multiply eighteen thousand four hundred sixty seven, which is their listed capacity, by point two to get to twenty percent. Wait, I gotta do it by point one eight. Sorry. Yeah, uh, I've been the mathematician on this right here. We did, we so distracted you with numbers. So the exact answer is 3,324.06. I'm not sure where Jesus. the .06 will factor into the attendance. Half a, half a person. If that's like a hot dot cart or something. Oh, someone that's pregnant? Just like a month in? <laughs> yeah. <probably. laughs> that's, a, that's a person yeah. and a half, though. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, but, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that point oh six is not half. That would be oh, point, point five. Yeah, that's what it was. Oh, point yeah, point oh, one. Six. So oh, one, one month to nine months. But right? anyway, roughly like one ninth 
I took one math class in college. Leave me alone. So about 3,000 people are going to be in the stadium. I imagine like 90% of them, if not more, are going to be sporting Kansas City fans because I don't imagine too many people from San Jose flying out for this one. uh, That would be awesome. I wish. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe, maybe, uh, Maybe next year, right? We'll see. Yeah, I guess that transitions into our um, uh, uh, fan questions. Yeah, um, thanks, guys. Well, for we all do your have fan one questions. more. Uh, so we have one like more. Like no point. news. So, do you, as far as my knowledge, the status of Vaco, Cascia, and Lopez's availability is up in the air. But uh-huh. it looks like Vaco and Cascia might be available. I heard they are available via tweet. All three of them? Yes. Yeah, Hmm. so Quakes After 90 uh, talked about this, and great podcast, guys. Go check it out if you haven't. Um, They said that they'll all be available, according to this Sam tweet, um, that they were all on charter planes so that they could be um, available. Yeah, Sam, uh, I can't say his last name. Uh, Sam Stezgal. The watch for the MLS. (laughs) <laughs> yes, said uh, from a, a Quakes uh, spokesperson, the uh, Quakes expect all, all their three returning internationals to be playing. And I think the biggest one, honestly, in my opinion, is obviously Marcos Lopez. I mean, if we were going to pick out of the three, who would you guys pick as the most important one to be back? I think uh, Marcos Lopez, is, in my opinion, is the more important yeah, one. Yeah, I agree. I think a close second would be Vaco. Maybe Vaco comes off the bench, makes right. creates a spark. Right. I think uh, we have some options in center back and winger a bit more than we do have at left back, where yeah. it would force Nick Lima to go to the left, which is not his preferred side, and then Tommy Thompson to go against the right, which against fast wingers is going to be tough for him. But, but not um, a lot of um, not a lot of MLS teams can say they have a DP on the bench. So, Vaco <laughs> coming off the bench and creating a spark, or let's say we're down on goal, could actually be a very good advantage. I mean, we can bring in a guy that's known prone to right to just scoring goals and being very on the ball and not passing. So maybe that's what we need. Well, so, so you're, sorry, go ahead. Oh, so I was going to say, so you're assuming, obviously, that if Fierro's healthy, we're expecting him to start, right? We're yeah, not definitely. 100%. We're not questioning, right. We're not questioning yeah. right? Almeida yeah. doesn't touch teams that are winning. That's for sure. Yeah. So, Vega, uh, on uh, the Fan Points of Interest segment, because we are revisiting a lot of the questions from the last Sporting Kansas City podcast we did, as well as a few new ones. So, he wanted us to answer who starts if Fierro isn't fit. So the options include Vaco, Salinas, Cowell, Thompson. Uh, I think if you want that extra attacking punch on the bench, you would start Salinas and you would bring Vaco. But I think you don't have that luxury necessarily against Sporting Kansas City. I think you need Vaco in as much time as possible. And Salinas does more damage off the bench anyway. Perfect. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna. I personally think I would have Kate Cowell out there to start, and then uh, I would bring in Salinas off the bench, and then I would have Vaco come off the bench too. You think, think Kate Cowell is ready to start a playoff game? I oh. think. I think that's our best opportunity to that win. Not as a left miss. Because Salinas coming off the bench is a lot more potent than Salinas. Come on, starting. let's be real. Let's be real. We have a DP. Uh, we have, and we we want Vodko to start. There's no question. Yeah. Would, if we were gonna pick, we have, that's our better player. You but, know, but what, if we were gonna pick, guy. yes. But if Almeida was picking, I don't think Vodko starts. I, I don't think I, I don't think Almeida is gonna give way to Cal to start though. Either. There's no way. But anyway, uh, Mike Pizzo and Chris 
Crystal Quadra also asked about the uh, weather and the role it would play as well. I took a look on my phone for the weather forecast for the Kansas side of Kansas City. And according to the weather report, it would be partly cloudy with highs of 49 degrees and lows of 28 degrees Fahrenheit. So a chilly day, but at least it won't be raining like it would be on Saturday tomorrow. We'll, we'll see. So it's we'll, raining we'll see. the day before, but of course mm. the weather can change a bit. But so that it's, it's going to be, be a wet, pretty though. cold game. I don't think it's going to be snowy, which no. is the most important thing. You can deal with rain. You can deal with the wet pitch because that happens in the Bay Area. Snow doesn't Wait, really happen in the Bay guys, Area. Guys, so. the pitch is going to be drenched and wet, but it's still going to be better than the Quakes pitch. So. Uh, <laughs> so it'd be all right. That's funny it's be and right. sad. Yes. Uh, so uh, Giancarlo LaRusso, he posed the question, which players have more pressure to perform after the loss to Seattle, offense or defense? Who needs to step up more to win this game? Um, I think the answer is going to be the defense because Definitely. surely the Quakes will score a goal or two this game, but they have Hopefully. to contain a very efficient Sporting Kansas City offense. You All can't give – Johnny Russell or Gadi Kinda space to work or to shoot from outside the box. Yeah, I think it's more of a yeah. I mean, definitely defense, but it's more in the fact that we need to be there. Need to execute their defensive scheme, right? I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. the man marking system. If it's there, it's great. If it's not, it's it goes into shambles real quick. So they just need to make sure they just can execute. You know, the man marking system. I think. Yeah. Um, and, go ahead. I think uh, guys need to be playing with the mentality that it's okay to give up a a yellow. Um, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of the center backs were kind of scared throughout the end of the season to kind of get yellows just because there wasn't any other option. Right. But since we have Kasia back, we have Tanner now having some experience, uh, we could see, you know, some, I guess some more challenging tackles. Right. So like, what what if it's a man Mark versus Johnny Russell versus Alanis, I would hope Alanis just takes him out. Right. And not (laughs) give up that one-on-one. Because we all know yeah. Johnny Russell's going to blow him, blow him just basically out of the water. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll see. This is going to be the first playoff test for this core of team, uh, the San Jose Earthquakes team, because there's been a lot of roster turnover since 2017. As you know from that segment where we talked about the U.S. Open Cup and players like Falter and Tarbell are no longer with us. So yeah. that's going to be. Uh, pretty interesting. They're alive and well. The way I said it, it sounded kind of bad. <laughs> they're they're yeah. no longer with us. So no. <laughs> anyway, uh, Nestor, he was the one who asked about uh, anyone going to fly out. It was more of a joke question, but I did check Southwest uh, yeah, and a round trip flight from San Jose to Kansas City this weekend comes out to $526 at the cheapest. And I love the San Jose Earthquakes, but on my budget, that's going to be a tough flight for me to make. So, yeah, yeah I think I'll watch from TV or my phone or wherever to this one. To, to be honest, if it wasn't 2020, like if it wasn't <laughs> the COVID, uh, I would honestly might make that crazy trip. I honestly <laughs> might have. Might have. Yeah, but um, that, and that's just the plane ride, like you know, hotel, food, and stuff. And oh yeah, it wouldn't be it, yeah. it wouldn't be cheap, but it it would have definitely been worth it. I'm just sitting here realizing I'm gonna have to wake up at three in the morning to watch this game. And so Eddie, I'm I'm being like, yeah, I wouldn't have gone to this game. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, yeah, Lucas uh, <laughs> Lucas Gloge on Reddit, so he wondered where the Quakes' confidence level would be right now. 
Um, I don't think the confidence level is going to change too much. I think this team, led by Matias Almeida, has a lot of belief in themselves, even after the loss against the Sounders. And could the result affect the level of signings this season? And uh, they already made a signing. Chris Wondolowski isn't retiring, so well, that's kind well, of like a signing, sign him right, yet. Jesse Pierinelli? They didn't <laughs> sign him yet, so he's staying. But when uh, they do, that counts as a signing, according yeah. to Jesse Pierinelli. <laughs> a DP signing. <laughs> but um yeah obviously the conventional wisdom would tell us that if the quakes lose that they should make more signings but i think they should make more signings regardless i think if you're a team in any league you constantly have to be adding to your roster and improving any way you can especially a growing league like the mls right where it's every year the quality just changes dramatically right exactly just sign somebody for once. You know, you know how like uh, in FIFA, if you don't use your transfer budget, you you lose it next year. So I hope they're just you know getting two transfer budgets for the season to have one big one, right? That'd be really cool. Yeah. So Omar on Twitter asked, uh, "Do you guys think Alanis have play, having played with Palito in Mexico will be a factor in whether the Quakes defense can stop Palito or whether?" Sporting Kansas City will have better chances than most think. So this is kind of a, te- a question that we can't really answer because Polita will not be playing. But if he were, I think you definitely want Alanis to mark him on set pieces. That's where the advantage yeah. plays dividends because d- in training camp, you play a lot of uh, – set pieces that's something you practice several times during any training session so that's something that i would hope that alanis would be able to use against a familiar opponent unfortunately we he won't get that opportunity and we do well, wish Polito a healthy recovery yeah well um basically almeida coached Polito, so even even if it wasn't just alanis we had someone that coached him so knows his weaknesses for sure well yeah Sorry, just real quick. There's an interesting thing that um, Joel Soria uh, from, I think, Quakes After 90, right? Is that no, 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 no. Uh, Black and Azul. Black, Black and Azul. Sorry. Oh, yeah. my bad. Uh, don't hurt. Don't, don't get mad at me, guys. Sorry. <laughs> don't um, hurt, Will. Just VP yeah. Schneider. No, yes. Uh, <laughs> no, but he did uh, tweet something the other day about that the Chivas has the opportunity to pull the loan for Alanis by December 1st. So it's an interesting thing to see if they will do that or not. They probably will. They probably will. Just after this game, they'll just take them yeah. back. Yeah, they can I mean, care less, right? They're like, you took our coach. We'll, take well I mean, you think they would have done it by now, right? When If you were really going to do it, will you really give him the honorable duty to play the playoff game, or would you rather make sure he's healthy and you take him back? Right. We'll see. So, yeah, yeah. we'll see. We'll... And we want to shout out uh, Jorge Martinez. Uh, he, uh, he brought to our attention as well the Alan Khalil injury, and we covered that with our injury report segment as well as the previous question. But thank you for contributing. And uh, do we have something from Michelle Lee, Fabi? Oh, yeah. She wanted us to go over a lineup that we think. Um, I just want to give a quick shout-out to her. We kind of went over what we thought. It's going to be – do you want to quickly go over this? I mean, I can kind of mouth it Yeah, off. I'll just uh, go over it. It should be I mean, JT, JT, right. JT, Nick Lima, Osvaldo Alanis, mm-hmm. Lauren Youngworth, mm-hmm. Marcos Lopez, yep. Yule, yep. Gidson, yep. Espinoza, yep. Rios, Fierro, yep. and Wando. 
Right. If if Friero can't go, we kind of talked about that. But, yeah, that's the main lineup. We should see the same lineup, Michelle. Thank you for your question. All right. So, uh, Fabi, uh, yeah. what are your first-round MLS Cup predictions? Just tell us who you think wins each matchup. Yeah, so uh, San Jose, Colorado, mm-hmm. Portland, Seattle, Philly, Orlando, Columbus, Toronto. Okay. That's, that's so like the, the upsets that you're calling are the earthquakes and the rapids. Okay. Correct. So my predictions for this first round, I think Sporting Kansas City, unfortunately, Colorado Rapids, Ew. Portland, Seattle, Philadelphia Union, City, Columbus, and Toronto. I think the top four teams in the East have very separated themselves, that they've been the most consistent, the talented, and playing the best throughout the season. So I think all the end teams, Nashville, New England, and the two New York teams, they're going to be done. But I could be wrong. I think that there's, it won't be easy. But those are the outcomes that I foresee. Mm. Um, I imagine I'll get half of these wrong, but whatever. Uh, and as for Spoink and C, I think that it is really tough to knock off the number one seed. So I'm hoping for the best, expecting the worst with the Quakes. Um, in terms of the result, I don't expect like an 8-0 loss, but I am bracing myself that the season could be over on Sunday. Uh, and yeah, That would suck. As for the Minnesota United versus Colorado Rapids game, I think since Minnesota United are missing some key players, they're missing Eichel Parra, they're missing uh, Tyler Miller, that Colorado Rapids, they're going to be able to pull the up, upset there. And I think the Cascadia teams, Portland Timbers and Seattle Sanders, that they are very well built for the playoffs and that they're going to at least make it to the next round. And I hope they both win because that means they play each other in yeah. the uh, conference semifinals. And those playoff games are always wild. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. The Will, uh, you want to go over your picks real quick? Yeah, um, so I did pick the Quakes. I think honestly, they have a very good chance to win this game if they played very like good. a port. If they have a port, if they played a Portland or Seattle, I would definitely be more questioning it. Um, I do think Minnesota yeah, might p- pull off a close win against Colorado. You did mention the injuries, but I hope they don't. I don't really want to play Colorado if the Quakes do advance. Um, I mean, I don't want to play Minnesota. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, I don't think uh, I can't go against Portland. To be honest, why would I pick Portland against FC Dallas unless I was a FC Dallas fan? Seattle, <laughs> same thing. I can't go against them. I mean, they they win. So Seattle is going to be LAFC, and then the Union. Uh, they you know the others show up that they won the supporter shield for a reason. Yeah. So the Revolution uh, did get in off that crazy 95th minute goal. So good on. Oh them. yeah. So that was nice from them. Um, Orlando City is just a team that's just been playing very well this season. So I expect good things, at least out of this first game against New York City. Um, I think Nani is going to play very well. Mm. Um, I think Crew has just established himself as a, a solid Eastern Conference team. Um, I don't feel like the Red Bulls are going to do enough to do that. And I think uh, Nashville is going to ride a high. We're going to see uh, an upset with Nashville good mm. being Toronto FC. So that'd be an interesting one, but I think Walker Zimmerman is going to be the, the defensive player of the year. He's going to take him, take him to the next round. So we agree on five of these. Uh, we all agreed that Portland, Seattle, Philadelphia, Columbus, and Orlando that we think they're going to win. So that's pretty interesting. Um, Guys, those are but knowing blocks. MLS, <laughs> we're going to get some. Uh, we're going to get some craziness, I think, this weekend. But um. Do we, and last thing, like, who's your 
pick to win the MLS Cups. I, I'm going with Portland Timbers simply because I think they have the most depth and I think that they consistently find their way out of jams when they're not playing well. And when they are playing well, they're really difficult to stop. I'm going to go with Seattle. I think Seattle wins it all. Okay. Again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, honestly, I mean, to go against Portland, Seattle is very tough. I, I think if, if either Philadelphia, one, Toronto? I, I feel like if – I mean, yeah, they, they'll have a chance to play them, but they'll probably lose. Honestly, I think just Seattle has just been a team that's always, you know, just been really solid and it's going to play against – you know, I don't think the Union and, I mean, Toronto will have a real chance. Uh, and Portland is the same. I mean, they have great players. I think probably – I'll probably just go Portland too, honestly. They do. I, <laughs> I have a question for you guys. Um, really okay. quickly, how far do the Quakes have to go for the season not to be a failure? I think this season is already not a failure because they yeah. made the playoffs. They went from the depths of the league and they made it to the playoffs. But yeah. granted, this is a very weird year where mm-hmm. more teams did get into the playoffs. So we definitely like the goal for next season would be to try again to the playoffs a bit more convincingly. Mm. Well, yeah, get in more convincingly or just we'll see how they do. Like if they get first yeah. round, like knockout, then like, yes, like obviously they need to make playoffs again and then be more convincingly. But like right now, this is all bonus. Um, mm. But we want to see them do well. I mean, I mean, they're in it. There's a chance, right? There's a chance that this team could re- really make something ha- happen. But we gotta, we'll find out first thing on Sunday at 1 p.m. Yeah, yeah it's going to be so much fun to see the action unfold. The MLS playoffs is already off to a great start. If you didn't watch the uh, New England versus Montreal and the Nashville versus Inter Miami games, we did kind of spoil the results for you with our predictions, but the highlights are still worth watching. Some beautiful goals were scored, and we expect more of the same in the rest of this first round. Thanks to our thanks again to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarfs, official scarf supplier to the MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarfs for you, your group, and your team at Roughneck. Scarves.com. If you're tired of the same old uniform and cookie cutter templates from Nike and Adidas, I and am. you want a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult, or pro team, Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your custom kit today at IcarusFC.com. That's all we have for you today at Tectonic Takes. Hope you have a wonderful night, and thank you for listening. Go Quakes. Hashtag Go do it for Wando. <laughs> do it for Wando. Do it for Wando. <laughs> Go Quakes, guys.